Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 12.54 a.m. It's like Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning. Once again, I've slacked off at getting you the podcast in a timely fashion. And once again, I apologize. Um, I don't know. I don't have any good excuses. I'm just busy slash lazy slash I don't know what, but I'm sorry. I'm going to try and do better. Uh, if you are listening to this and and you want me to do better and get the podcast out on time, do me a favor and shoot me a text message. Just be like, hey, Jarrett, I love the podcast and I want you to get it out on time. <laughs> that would make me laugh. Uh, okay, so let's jump into a Mother's Day service. Um, Hannah is, uh, as you can expect, focusing the entire message on Mother's Day and moms. Just kidding. She's actually talking about baptism, which makes perfect sense. It doesn't, but that's okay. We love Hannah. She wanted to do a slightly different message than you're used to hearing on Mother's Day. And I think that's pretty cool. So we're going to talk about baptism a little bit. So that's fun. Um, before that, a couple of announcements. Uh, go check out Diff.Church. We have got some uh, events up there that we would love for you to join us at. We are going to the movies. We are going to a speaking engagement. And we are doing sound healing at our church right after one of the services. I have no idea what to expect, uh, but I'm really excited to try something uh, new and kind of expand my mind a little bit. So go to diff.church and click on events and you can see all of those things. Okay, we're going to jump into Mother's Day here. Uh, but before we get into uh, the message, which again is about baptism, uh, Hannah actually just kind of has a little bit to share from her heart about Mother's Day. And I think it's important stuff. So I left it in the podcast for you to check it out. So check it out. Mother's Day is complicated. You'd think it would be like my favorite day because I have Nova, but... I am very excited about Nova. And also, I'm kind of sad because there was someone before Nova that didn't get to enter the world. So it's like I hold both of those things every year on this day. Literally, the Sunday, the Mother's Day after my miscarriage, I didn't go to church. I was like, nope. And everyone was like, where are you? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Leave me alone. Okay, thanks. Bye. Another very special announcement before we talk about baptism is if you are a woman or have any type of feminine experience, and the things this week <laughs> that have happened in our country, specifically um, with the release of documents from the Supreme Court, are weighing on your soul, then come join us. We're having a meetup on Wednesday, this Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. at Treasure Island Beach. Um, I sent an email out with the address, but come find me after church, and I will give you the address for that, because I didn't make a slide. Um, but it's for women, and by women, I mean all women, and all types of feminine experience, and we are going to just hold space for each other and probably rage a little bit and laugh <laughs> and cry and just go to the end of the blue walkway and look for me on a giant purple blanket. That's where you'll that's where we'll be. Cool. <laughs> Jarrett said cool. The person who will not be showing up on Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Baptism. Is it appropriate that I took a water break right before I talked about baptism? <laughs> You may be interested to know that in the history of Different Church, we have done two total baptisms, both of which were private, uh, meaning only the people that were getting baptized and anyone they wanted there could attend. We did not set up a pool. 
first of all, we don't have a pool. <laughs> I also have no way to get water into the pool. This is not our space. We don't have a built-in baptismal hidden behind the curtain at all time in case someone just has an uncontrollable urge to get dunked. <laughs> and they're like, Lord, help me. <laughs> okay, and, and I don't want there to be. Now, if you grew up in a liturgical denomination, you may be horrified by this. You may be like, it's part of the liturgy. <laughs> it's so important. It's so meaningful. How could you talk about baptism like this? But if you uh, grew up non-denominational evangelical, you may be experiencing a sense of relief <laughs> that you do not have to cheer maniacally <laughs> while someone in a baggy t-shirt gets shoved under the water. And then afterwards, we get to celebrate what God has done. Look at all the things we have done as a church because X amount of people have been baptized since January. Yes. Um, I really, that really like grinds my gears. <laughs> Maybe more than it should, I will admit. I'm a little bit like cynical about this whole situation. But like, are we just reducing people to numbers? Anytime we do that, it really deeply bothers me on a molecular level. Now, I have a fun table for you on the screen. Hopefully you can see it. And if you can't, I'm just going to explain it to you. So keep up. Um, there are four types of belief about baptism in the Christian church. There's probably more than that, but these are the four main ones. And, you know, we're not going to be here until tomorrow talking about baptism. Column A, there's two columns. Baptism is a saving act. This means it is part of what makes you a Christian. If you're not baptized, you're not a Christian. That's what that means in column A. Column B says it's important, but it's not essential. You can be a Christian without being baptized. It's just a symbol. Row X, that's the first row, going this way, practices baptism for people old enough to believe and make some kind of decision by themselves. Row Y practices baptism for infants, like the children of people who are already believers. Okay? Now, I should note that what we are not going to get into is the various methods of baptism, such as full immersion and sprinkling and pouring. They are all exactly what they sound like. Okay? <laughs> full immersion means you're getting dunked. <laughs> Sprinkling means someone's going to go, bam, <laughs> in your face with some holy water, like Imral with spices, bam. <laughs> and pouring means you get a bucket, or if you're lucky, a pitcher of water dumped on your head while you sit in a chair. Somehow, I think I'd rather my whole body be wet. That's just personal to me. So the amount of water to me, even though it has been a point of contention for centuries in the church, because we just love to argue with each other, um, is not important. What is important is why you're doing it in the first place. So, our table gives us four possibilities about baptism. These are actual Christian beliefs, okay? In section one, baptism means you're saved. If you are not baptized, then you are not a Christian. This is reserved only for like of age people, meaning you have the intelligence and logical capability to make your own decisions. It's the rarest, like almost nobody holds this. <laughs> I don't even know why it's up there. Um, there's a couple of Pentecostals that believe this. And if you've been Pentecostal, this makes sense to you. And then there's like one other organization. In section two, baptism is a saving act, meaning it changes you somehow to a Christian from a non-Christian, but it's only applied usually to infants. So like Roman Catholicism, they sprinkle the babies. Um, I hope they don't dunk the babies. Nova would have um, had something to say about that. <laughs> So, like, Roman Catholics, Greek Orthodox, some very liturgical denominations do that, and they, like, really believe that, like, the child is a different person afterwards. Like, they were a non-Christian three-week-old, 
And now they are a Christian three-week-old. Now, there's certainly a lot to be said. I'm not gonna like dump on anyone's tradition. But for me personally, I think there's a lot to be said about consent. If baptism is something that truly fundamentally changes your nature, then perhaps you should be allowed to consent to that. Let's just skip that. Let's table that for a moment. Okay, we're gonna skip to section four. So here baptism is practiced for infants, but it's more of a symbol, okay? It's more of a symbol of like, the child is, we're like committing to raise the child in the faith and the church is committing to like help the child be raised in the faith and God is committing to help the child. There's all commitments all around. And mostly like Presbyterians, Methodists, Lutherans, they do that kind of stuff. And then finally, section three, this is where evangelicals land. Um, only people who've made like personal commitments to Jesus could be baptized. However, we do, by we I mean evangelicals, kind of do an odd hybrid of three and four, because generally you'll be like, they definitely will not baptize an infant, because they can't decide, right? But what we will do is a baby dedication, which is exactly the same thing as point four, just with no water. <laughs> so what, what are we gonna do? Like, okay, there's these four positions, but what did church history do? Like, how were people getting baptized originally? So my understanding of church history is we originally, very beginning, were three and four. It was like, you have to make a decision, okay? And only you can make the decision. And then gradually it became two, which is infants get baptized. I think this makes perfect sense, actually, if you look at church history, because in the very early days, if you became a Christian, that was a significant change in your life, and it would come at great personal danger to yourself. The Romans were like, mm-mm. And then also the Jews were like, definitely not. And then you got murdered. So that's like the worst case scenario. But the best case scenario was you still got shunned from society. <laughs> so it was a great personal danger to yourself if you were getting baptized and becoming Christian. However, the movement grew. And then people had babies. And then those babies were automatically Christians. <laughs> because they were born into the faith, right? And so when Christianity became the dominant religion of the Roman Empire, it became very difficult for anybody to not be identified as Christian. So baptism was kind of this celebration of just another citizen's birth, almost. It'd be like, in America, you get social security card. Like, that's essentially what it became. They're like, ah, another baby, Christian. But that also meant Roman. <laughs> so in the 15th and 16th centuries, some people looked around and they were like, wow, everybody says they're Christian. Everybody, no matter what they're doing with their life, no matter how mean they have been to other people, no matter whether they are taking over other countries or not, which is everybody, everybody's Christian and God is fighting for them, except not for the Christians on the other side of the border. We don't understand that because God is for them also. And so these people had this like revitalization of their faith. They're, and then they were like, oh my gosh, was I even saved to begin with? I don't know. So then they got baptized again. Now, we certainly, this doesn't speak to us today, right? <laughs> we definitely don't have any people in Christianity or in America specifically that are Christian in name only or in opinion only, right? We don't have that. Definite, definite, and definitely that's never been us because we're better than everyone else. Amen. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that no one said amen because <laughs> that was a joke. So these reformers were like, okay, um, 
Christian, being a Christian is like really radical, actually. It like requires some actual life change, and it is personal. It's not just, you can't just say you are. It's not just an opinion that you hold. You have, it has to affect your life somehow. And they were convinced that being, just because you were born and baptized in a so-called Christian house, in a so-called Christian empire, did not make you a Christian any more than being born in a barn makes you a horse. It's just a location that you exist in. So they were baptized again because they had all been baptized as infants. And they were like, I couldn't consent to that. I don't even know what that meant because I was tiny. <laughs> and now they chose to be baptized again as an outward symbol of what had happened in their heart. And then they had children. This is how it works. You know, you start something and you're like, yay. And then you have kids and the kids are like, I mean, is it yay though? <laughs> and then the kids couldn't get baptized until they made their own personal decision later. Now, Side note. Y'all know I love my side notes. I went to school for church. Did you know that that's possible? <laughs> I had a class, literally a class, in my undergraduate degree where we went to the pool at the college, and we all practiced baptizing each other, and we all learned how to baptize each other. And if you think that's hilarious, it's because it is. Why just a bunch of like 19-year-olds being like, I baptize you. Because those, they're just practice, so they don't count, okay? Like the teacher was very concerned to let us know that it didn't count as a baptism. And I'm like, okay. So did you know that there is a way to properly baptize people? Let me give you a demonstration. <laughs> okay, number one, make sure people hold their own noses. This is important. Um, especially for dudes who are baptizing other people, uh, tend to, for some reason, crush noses. <laughs> like, full on, like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, thank you. No, please don't break my nose. Um, you also do not want to be responsible for someone inhaling water and then coughing up a lung. Not attractive in your baptism. You'd be like, I baptize you in the name. <laughs> no, okay? Like, make that person responsible for their own oxygen seal. That's number one. Number two, make sure they hold their own arm across their chest like this. Why? Because it saves you from accidentally grabbing someone's chest. <laughs> this is actually very important. Um, not so much for me, I don't think, and not so much for like most female pastors, although there aren't very many of them. Um, but like, I don't feel like this is an issue that most women would be like, yes, I grabbed some chests accidentally. <laughs> but apparently it happens a lot, so barrier, right? Um, the next thing is put, you have one hand here. This is how you're leveraged to pull them out of the water and one hand behind their shoulders. Gives you some leverage because um, if it's a very tall person who you are baptizing or there's some kind of big size differential, like for example, I had to practice baptize my friend Robbie who was 6'5 and 300 pounds. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with being that size, but I was my size. <laughs> and it made, um, I'm pretty sure the teacher was like, yeah, we'll let this happen. Everyone will think this is a good lesson, a good object lesson. So, you know, you don't, it's like super awkward when you're like, baptize you, and then there's just nothing but like thrashing, like someone's drowning because you can't lift them back up. And then finally, you dunk them quickly, okay? Do not hold people under the water for any length of time while you say any words. You would think this one doesn't have to be said. Apparently, pastors have issues. I mean, pastors have a lot of issues, but apparently this is one of them. I mean, I guess we need to be told not to drown our congregants. 
you're going under the water and you're going to be buried with Christ in baptism and then you're going to be buried. <laughs> okay, so this was an actual class that I had to take like 15 years ago. That makes me feel old to say that, but I'm sure nothing has changed. Actually, I'm kind of happy about that class because I have not accidentally drowned anyone in the last 15 years. Now, if you know me and you know Different Church, you may know that I am not interested in being a super Protestant who has the right answer about baptism. I'm actually not very interested at all in whether you've been baptized or not. I am not interested in where you were baptized or how you were baptized or if there were 500 people screaming at you when you were baptized or if you just were alone with the person who was baptizing you and God. The only thing I am interested in, if you have in fact been baptized, is why. Why did you decide to be baptized? And whether you actually live out that meaning in your real everyday life. One of our main problems, I think, with modern Christianity, and a main reason we are a group of mostly recovering evangelicals, is the same problem the reformers had when they switched from infant to adult baptism. People are getting baptized all over the place, and it doesn't make one iota of difference in their lives. They're still mean and judgmental and racist and harsh and sexist and classist and, 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 right? But what happens is the more you follow Jesus, the more brilliant and revolutionary Jesus seems to you. The more real God becomes to you, the more precious life becomes to you, the more precious other people become to you, the more empathy you have. The more God is a meaningful part of your life, the more you want to move forward on the journey of healing. And then you get kinder and more compassionate and more open and more loving and more full of grace to others and to yourself. This is where different church lands on baptism. You'll notice I said lands, not stands. Okay, I think there's a difference and I think we should point out that language. Just because this is where we land does not mean you have to agree. I want you to think for yourself. Um, I love it. I'm for it. I will celebrate it, not as something that saves you, but as a sign of something that's already happened to you. If you have connected with God in a meaningful way and you want to symbolize that connection somehow with a physical specific act, then get baptized. Like I wear a wedding ring because I'm married. This ring doesn't mean I'm married. Like I could put a ring on and not be married, right? Everyone has a ring finger and rings exist. And this is just a cultural phenomenon that we're like, if you have a ring there, you're married, right? Or you're engaged. It doesn't mean anything <laughs> unless I am in fact actually already married. I'm already married and this ring is a sign to other people that I'm married and also a reminder to myself daily of a commitment that I made to another person who I love dearly. Baptism is very similar in that regard. Just because you get dunked doesn't mean God has made any meaningful change in your life or that you're even open to that. What happens is God connects with you and you connect with God. You meet somehow here and then, then you get baptized as a sign to other people and to yourself that God is important to you and that reminds you of a commitment that you've made to someone that you love dearly. I feel like baptism asks for a higher level of commitment from us 
just in the same way getting married asks for a higher level of commitment from us than just dating someone. Like, I can't wake up in the morning and be like, never mind, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> That's not how marriage works. <laughs> and also, I'm pretty sure I haven't thought that because I do like Josiah very much. In fact, one of the main reasons I married him is because he doesn't irritate me. And if you don't think that's romantic, then you have not been irritated. <laughs> love is very important. Like is more important, okay? Because I love my family and I do not want to spend every waking moment with them. But I do want to hang out with Josiah all the time. He's the best. And he's probably like, please go away. <laughs> Stop being right here. <laughs> In the way that Nova is right here to me all the time. So in baptism, you're committing. You're actually saying, this isn't just a casual, I check in with you relationship. This means something to me. I'm committing to participate in the healing process that God's trying to do in my soul and in all of our souls and in the world. Now, if you were raised in like more of a high church or liturgical church environment, this may not be how baptism was presented to you it may not be where you land in your personal beliefs. That's okay. I want you to believe and hold in your heart the things that are most meaningful for you. We do not all have to think the same thing. I'm just telling you where we land. But I also want to tell you why we land here because I think this is important, especially as even like people who have been raised in evangelical church, okay? Because consent is one of the highest values that we have here. And for me personally, also. Like, if you cannot consent to being baptized, or your nature fundamentally changed, right? Like, I have deep problems with that. And even though our evangelical churches didn't fundamentally change our nature by baptizing us as infants, they mostly did not value our autonomy as individuals or respect our voices when we tried to speak up. To mean something, it has to be your choice. If it's not your choice, then you... You didn't consent, and it's not okay. Also, we talked about this at the beginning. Baptism and salvation have been turned into like this numbers game where we're like, how many decisions for Jesus did you get this week? How many baptisms? Like, like deeply irritates me so much. We've turned it into like a performative sport almost so we can prove we're making a difference. We're showing the numbers that really matter. Are those the numbers that really matter? No. In fact, do numbers matter? I mean, on some level they matter in the sense of like, it matters if the lights stay on <laughs> and money is made out of numbers. So it's also in the cloud. So is it? <laughs> like, it matters that we're here together and we are a group of people, which I assume has some number. I don't know how many because I didn't count <laughs> and I never count. But mostly, I don't think the numbers really matter when you're counting salvations and baptisms because how are we to know what's in someone else's heart? How are we to know what's in someone else's soul? I can't be like, oh, they said some words and therefore God's patting me on the back. That's not how it works. And I know I may be a little extra cynical today. <laughs> I apologize. I am being a little bit harsh, but that's because that's how I feel. I feel a little bit harsh <laughs> and cynical because I think baptism is beautiful. It's beautiful and meaningful, and somehow we've turned it into another capitalistic Jesus product that we can point to to show off how good of a job we're doing. 
for the Lord. And this is why when we do baptisms, they're private. We, I am more than happy to baptize anyone who wants that, right? In fact, it brings me so much joy, but I will not turn it into a show of any kind. Now, the final piece for us is that it is focused on and it does land on Jesus. So I know some of you don't land in the same spot that we land about Jesus, and that's okay. We're allowed to believe different things. I've said that like 20 times this sermon, but I want it to sink in, okay? If you land somewhere else and Jesus is not where you land, that does not change your status here at all. It does not mean that you, we're gonna view you differently or treat you differently. You belong already. Belonging is the baseline, no matter what you believe. But for me, baptism was an instruction given by Jesus. Jesus is central to everything we do here. Jesus is central to me personally. Um, so to be baptized is to make a commitment to live in the way of Jesus. And actually, we have our own baptism liturgy that kind of we created as a church. And I want to read it to you because I think it's so beautiful. And I haven't had very many chances to read it on account of we've only done two. So if you were to get baptized, this is what we would say to you before. Baptism is a practice that we participate in to celebrate outwardly the healing that God has given our souls. Do you believe that Jesus is walking with you on the path to reconciliation with God and yourself and others? If so, say I do. Will you commit to being like Jesus was, radically inclusive, hospitable, living a life of love and kindness with compassion and mercy for everyone, offering forgiveness, seeking reconciliation, and working daily for justice? If so, say I do. The way of Jesus is to see the divine image in every person, including yourself. To seek God's presence. To recognize that God has already made you whole, complete, forgiven, redeemed, and affirmed through the wonderful gift of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven is already in you. It is now your sacred duty to go and live like it. And then you get dunked. <laughs> um, actually, I would say something like, before you get dumped, dumped? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that just turned into something else. Dunked, <laughs> I baptize you in the name of God our Father, Jesus our brother, and the Holy Spirit our mother. I love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you're listening on the podcast, Gianna said I love that and I feel affirmed. <laughs> so, I understand that this may not have been like the most touchy-feely of sermons. I'm like, let me tell you about the church history of semi-drowning people <laughs> and going bam on infants. But hopefully you found it informative and hopefully we can arrive at something together that moves us forward in a meaningful way. So if, like, if you want to get baptized, just find me after church, text me, email me, send a carrier pigeon, I don't know. Don't send me a carrier pigeon. Don't. <laughs> that was a joke. Hopefully none of you have pigeons. <laughs> we all will be hosting a baptism on May 29th. That is a Sunday, the end of the month, after church. Um, it will be at a beach a couple miles from here where there's free parking. Um, and it is private, meaning only the person getting baptized and anyone you want to be there is going to be there. And everyone else can go have brunch together. <laughs> 
Um, we're also gonna do another very liturgical thing today, and that is communion, slash the Eucharist, slash the Lord's Supper, slash any other name you can assign to that. Um, there is a table in the back. It has some bread and some little cups with juice. It's just juice. It is, in fact, white grape juice because that sounded more delicious to me this morning. <laughs> um, while Gianna is singing the next song, please go as you want to and take the bread and take the juice. As with everything we do here, it is open to everyone and there is no pressure. If it's meaningful to you, please participate. If you feel like you have been kept out of communion in any way throughout your life by the church, go participate. It is wide open to you, just like God's love. Um, but if it doesn't feel right, or you're not ready, or it's not part of your practice, then don't participate. There's no pressure. There's no judgment. Only love. Only belonging. Um, and I wanted to do it today specifically because I think May is a long month. And I feel like it's been a weird year. It's been a weird couple of years. But we're all kind of trying to navigate how to be human again in the world. Like we're like, oh, nothing, no one's restricted anymore. But I feel restricted a little bit. No one's telling me what I can and can't do and what I can and can't wear on my face and what I, where I can and can't go. And, but in our souls, there's still pressure, right? And I just want you to know in the kingdom of God, there isn't any, there isn't any pressure. There's only peace. And this is what Jesus did at the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. He took bread and he broke it and he ate with his disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And if I can translate that, perhaps we can hear, this is my gift to you. This is my life for you. I came for you so that I could experience what it's like to be truly human and also tell you that it's okay to be fully human. And then he took the cup and he drank it and he said, this is my blood spilled for you. And by his death, he showed the evil of the world to be what it truly is. And if you feel tense or pressure from the world, pressure from your family, pressure from your job, this is a space to let that go. It doesn't have to be like that. So Gianna has two songs. At any point, you can get up and go to the table in the back. And I just invite you all to stand. We're going to sing together. And then I will come back and give you a benediction.